Greetings, podcast enthusiasts near and far. I'm Paulette Gloria Harwood, and I'm your host of Thriving in Chaos. As podcasts are the trendy things to do these days, I thank you for sharing the love by tuning in. I'm thrilled you're listening to the sparkling examples of excellence in womanhood I find and curate. I believe these inspiring, wise, powerful, trailblazing souls light the way for us as we each learn to gracefully navigate our journeys. As a certified divorce coach, I have been witness to confusion, sadness, change, and growth. I have learned that all we really need is to share our knowledge, support, and love to guide our sisters to all the possibilities in life. I am dedicated to helping clients leave behind the turmoil, confusion, and chaos of divorce while adding value to their best life with tips, tools, and personal experience. If you are so inspired, please subscribe to my podcast and share with others you think who may benefit. And now, let's thrive in chaos. Good morning, my friend Paulette. You are New England bound. You are here. That's the rumor. That's, that's, it's not just a rumor. (laughs) I'm so happy. I'm delighted to be here. It always feels good to come home. Looking around, everything familiar, and yeah, it just feels comforting to know where everything is. Yeah, and I, and I get to and I get to see you, which is nice. I of course I love you know taping and and talking, but once in a while it's nice to see each other. And we're gonna have some fun later in the week and next week doing some video, so everyone gets to see see us and all of our. Yeah, I'm super excited for us to be able to um, to add the the texture and the complexity of having video as well as just audio. It'll be nice. Well, it's funny. I had someone. Um, there, there's a few people that have been listening to um, the podcast. Oh, uh, kind of a few times, um, so that the message is really sunk in for for them. And I've had them reach out to me and. Um, one of the um, women had said, oh, gosh, it would be so, I feel like I know you guys, it would be nice to see you. They don't know us personally. So I think this will be a nice opportunity, Paulette, for the audience to see us and see us interact. And, you know, we've got so many good topics coming up. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm happy you're here. Very Thank happy. you. It feels very welcoming to be able to see family and friends and feel familiar and I agree with the ability to um, be able to put the name to the voice to the face 
I know that many times I will listen to a podcast or listen to a radio show. And then when you meet them, it just feels different. And it feels like you really get to know more of them and the complexity of them and the depth of them when you can put the face to the name and the voice. So I think we're coming full circle with that. And we'll be able to have the opportunity to do that and add that to the podcast for the next few weeks. So yay. We had a lot of feedback after the last podcast on divorce. Is anyone happy? I mean, I was inundated with actually a lot of phone calls. Um, I think we struck a nerve, which mm. is into bad thing because <laughs> no, no one's talking about what we're talking about, Paula. We're not doing anything. So we might have we might have created some waves, but I think they're good waves because we have people thinking and being self-aware. Very important podcast, and I, I'm excited for today to touchly, touchly. Okay, Elizabeth has not had enough coffee to briefly. <laughs> I'm human. To That's briefly, right. I'm sipping ginger tea, so I'm, I'm trying so to good. downplay the coffee too much. To briefly touch on the aftermath and rebuilding. After a life-changing event, we focused on divorce in the last one. We're focusing on relationships. But any type of life-changing, life-altering event, how do we rebuild ourselves? What is our rebirth plan? And I think that'll be a great topic to touch on um, today. I agree, Elizabeth. And I will also want to make sure that, you know, we, we press upon the point that it's important here to remind ourselves and everyone else that life changes in all areas are difficult. It isn't just divorce. So yeah, we talk a lot about divorce because divorce, let's face it, is the, is the impetus, is the you know, wave, it's the domino effect of so many other aspects of change. You know, when we are faced with change of any kind, it's a loss of sorts, like whether it be illness or for me, ultimately what started it was an illness. And then that led to job loss and death. I lost my, my dear father and uh, my mother-in-law. And that was really um, difficult for me. And I know you've had loss in your family and then moving. Um, and of course, divorce. And I also work with women who have had pregnancy loss. So there's oh, yeah. loss of any kind deserves a rebirth. And in, in order to do that, it starts with rebuilding, right? It's you got to rebuild. Absolutely. And you know, some of the things that you just described, death itself, obviously, um, a job ending, a relationship ending, a marriage ending, loss of a pregnancy, I think all of these things do instill the stages of grief. Um, even if it is an, an actual physical death, the end of something, um, something we're fami familiar with. You know, you used the word familiar when you said that you were home. And you were happy about the familiar. There's a, there's a type of involved where we remove the familiar. And even if it's a person or marriage or a job, friendship, that's not good for us, Paulette, they were familiar. And mm -hmm. it's uncomfortable. There's an uncomfortableness having that familiar taken away from us. So that was, that's a very good point. 
what you know what do we do with that what do we do with that removal of the familiar when something ends dies ceases to exist how do we move forward yeah for me it was getting in touch with myself or the self with a capital s and really being un come starting to learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable and does that make any sense you know like, absolutely it, it it sucks to sit there and have a like a knot in your stomach and uh, a tight throat and a headache i mean i remember asking a dear friend like how do i get rid of this headache i'd had a headache for what seemed like six to eight months and it would not go away and she said well my mother uses excedrin I, I spent probably 20 minutes in CVS in 2001 by buying every conceivable headache remedy because I could not get rid of the headache in my head and the lump in my throat and the, this, the knot in my stomach and the tightness in my chest. And I would have done anything to get rid of that, uh, uh, the physical discomfort, the mental, emotional discomfort. And Eventually, I just had to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Nothing felt the same. Nothing was familiar. And as difficult as it is, it's the only way we can start to heal and rebuild and rebirth is being able to slow down and sitting in silence and just knowing that it's okay, that you're going to get through this that you'll be safe and strong and heal. It's not easy, but that's where it started for me. What about you? Where, where did you start your journey with feeling like, oh, this discomfort sucks? You know what's interesting? Um, the, the physical death part, I think, is, is probably too much for me to delve into today uh, because that's such a – a large topic. I was 25 when I lost my mom. That that could be like five podcasts. Um, I, will <laughs> yeah. say, I will say, I remember um, a brief relationship post-divorce ending. And I hadn't really experienced, brief meaning it was, it was very nice and pleasant and it just, it just wasn't meant to be. And I remember feeling really bad about myself uh initially mm. and Paulette wondering you know sort of okay what did I do wrong or could I have you know I did a lot of self-analyzing um and I and I would say a form of grief because it was a familiar um there was a familiarness that I enjoyed but I do remember walking um actually by myself with with the dog and kind of looking to the universe and kind of, and I know that sounds, it's a little bit out there looking up, looking to God, whoever, whoever was listening at the time and realizing that I needed to go through this because I was going to be better off when you're in it. And I remember being in it and I remember the grief, accepting the challenge. I'd never been able to do that before. I accepted it and said, I kind of feel like crap right now, but it's okay. It's okay that I feel like crap because I'm going to get through this. I'm going to allow myself 
to not feel great, to be sad, um, to self-doubt. And then I'm going to allow myself kind of whatever my time period was. And then I'm going to brush myself off and, and stand back up because I know amazing things are going to be waiting for me. And I will tell you that that exact thing happened. That exact thing happened. Something amazing was waiting for me. But when I was in it, I didn't see it. So for me, I think step one was accepting the grief, accepting the sadness, accepting the pain in, 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 in kind of all areas of change for me. I'm giving this example because it's recent. And I think it was the first time I had the self-awareness to say, okay, I'm in this um, and I'm going to be okay. I, I, I was able to self evaluate, which was a nice place to be, even though it was uncomfortable. I'm, I'm so delighted you just said self-evaluate because the, the ability to be quiet and actually allow yourself the time to feel the grief and the sadness and the, the pain and the fear of change and the lack of familiarity and uncomfortableness is is so important to you feeling that you you have the ability to grow and change and learn and to even consider what's possible because when that door closes and you slams behind you and you're asking you those questions like what did i do wrong or like what did i say and we start to really question everything like is Mercury in retrograde and I should have taken better care of myself and what the hell was I thinking and I should have known better and you know oh the finger pointing and the blame and the woulda shoulda coulda as I call it and just allowing yourself to say I have to feel like shit right now I just have to go through the array of emotions and to feel them uh, there's a saying that I always uh it's one of my little things I say a lot when I use with a client who is just really numb and I got really numb is to slow down and do less and feel more because we don't feel, we just get completely numb and jointed and nothing feels like we, all of our senses become, uh, just desensitized almost like that numbing gel they put on you before they're gonna you you feel it but it's you're not fully feeling it and you can't get through it until you feel the emotions and that's one of the reasons we avoid change of any kind is because we have become so from feeling that it, it you you say to yourself you know it's not really that bad it could be a lot worse and I'm making a mountain out of a molehill as the expression used to go. For those of you that don't know what hill is, I really didn't know either. Uh, it's really hard to, to sit with that, but that's, that's where the ball starts rolling. And it sounds like you went through mm -hmm. a very similar thing. Yeah. And I, I think, and I'm just talking about a, a lot, um, I don't want to say not a, not a big deal one, you know, not, not one of the most profound ones changes, but I will say one of the one, the one where I have self-awareness and now that I've been through it and, you know, 
I have a good friend that's going through something right now, similar, actually, very um, uh, relatively short-term relationship that's ending. Um, and I'm able to help her and be there for her because I see where she is very clearly. And we can also help someone understand that it's okay to be where they are, but they're going to be in a better place really soon. You know what it is, Paula? And this is what I realized. We have to do the work. We can't, you know, if we want to, I think a lot of people will turn to say like immediately, you know, they'll turn to drinking or they'll turn to overeating or they'll turn to self-destructive behaviors. Mm -hmm. The way to get on the other end of pain is to dive into it and feel it and then you can release it if you avoid it skirt the issue i'm in pain this sucks if you don't embrace it and walk through the fire you you never really fully release it so i'm able to see that now and help you know a friend of mine um who's going through this right now Self-care, hint number one, aside from feeling the pain, taking it on, accepting it, next would be self-care. What, I mean, what, I mean, what do you, because I look to you as of self-care and self-betterment. What can we do? We're going to accept this pain. We're going to embrace it. We're going to walk through it. And then we're going to take care of ourselves. How do we do that, Paula? Well, for me, with everything about my decision-making, you know, um, I used to live on Snickers bars and Diet Coke. No wonder I pretty much had a nervous breakdown. Like, how can you feed your soul and your mind and your heart and everything about who you are when you're feeding it crap? I, I lived on processed foods and I, did, you know, I had the acrylic nails and... I everything I need and I was living on automatic pilot and I had two speeds. So I either was sleeping and I didn't fall asleep. I crashed. And then during the daytime, I lived on coffee all day, pretty much candy bars, soda, coffee, and anything I could get quick and easy. I used to think like a Greek salad at a pizza joint was like a healthy meal. Or I was, you know, to go to sleep at night, taking, you know, two glasses of wine and whatever to get myself to sleep. I couldn't, I wasn't, I wasn't feeding my soul. The first thing I had to do to start my healing journey was to clean up my diet. And then I had to clean up my buying habits I would incessantly think that um, shop therapy was a way of healing. And honestly, Elizabeth, it's bullshit. Because at the end of the day, you have a lot of credit card debt, stuff in your closet you don't even need or like, and not if it serves you. Right. Next one was to clean up my relationships. Friends who I thought really gave a damn about me, which I realized were talking um, yeah <laughs> I can see I, I have the cord and cleaning up your relationships is is 
really getting the skeletons out of the closet with the relationships. And then I had to clean up my work. Like, what is the work that is, is feeding my soul and making me feel purposeful and alive? But lastly, it was my thoughts. Because I had this incessant, continuous cycle of negative talk internally, and it was crushing my soul. Yeah. And I, you know, you just, yeah, you just touched on some really important things. People who you think are your friends, um, who you expect to be there for you. Not only are they not, Paula, they're talking about you. Um, Well, that's like a double whammy. So we're sort of going through whatever it is we're going through. We're using divorce in a relationship right now. Um, I think, you know, death is a little for what we're doing but yeah like you're trying to hold your stuff together and then you're dealing with sort of these external forces that are pushing you down further um i think a lot of people tend initially to sort of drown their sorrows whether it be food alcohol reality tv um some people you know turn to promiscuity, you know, whatever sort of gets the pain um, away. A lot of people do that. I will say that unequivocally, it is absolutely not the answer because like you and I both know, we're clouding the issue. And the issue is how do we rebirth ourselves? How do we rejuvenate ourselves? How do we come back from this loss better than ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we could start to put together, you know, little helpful tents for people, but just ourself, like reminiscing, recalling. And, you know, I really, really, really need to impress upon everybody that this doesn't happen overnight. It looks like, you know, oh, well, it's easy for you to say, but my journey so far with this transformation from where I was when I really started to fall apart. It's coming up on about 19 years, right about the year 2000. Call it the millennial. I don't know. I remember back in high school when it was like 1980 something and we had to write an essay on like what our life would look like in the year 2000. And I knew that I would be 36 years old in the year 2000. And I remember writing a paper about the fact that I thought that I would have been married with children, but contemplating a life change. And I don't remember exactly what the life change was. It was back in, you know, junior year of high school, ironically. But, you know, here was the year 2000 and I was 36 years old and I was in a career, a job that didn't feel like it fit. It wasn't a personal choice of mine. It, it, it just, it, I fell into it. It wasn't something I consciously decided. You know, in the book, I write that I really, my dream growing up was that I wanted to be Jane Polly. <laughs> I don't even know if half of you even know who Jane Polly is. Is she still alive? I, know. I reach out to you, Jane Polly. You like changed my life. But 
she was that woman on the Today Show that was that lifted everybody up and gave them the news of the day. She always had this beautiful smile and was dashingly dressed and looked elegant and poised and intelligent. She was married to um, Gary Trudeau, the writer of Doonesbury, the cartoon, which I could never relate to, but that's another podcast. So, you know, when I looked at my life, and I was in this career that didn't fit, and I was in a marriage that didn't fit, and everything about my life felt uncomfortable, but it's taken me 19 years to slowly come to terms with that that decision and that feeling and to get where I am now that my work and my marriage and my lifestyle and my diet and my education and everything feels comfortable and it feels like it fits and every single thing in that closet Elizabeth I adore and my desk is a computer and a tea mug and calligraphy pen and a little angel and a one greeting card and a calendar and it couldn't be more simple. And every single thing in my life feels like it's comfortable and it fits meticulously. And you've got to really narrow down and start cutting away all the excess, the excessive right. thinking, the excessive relationships, the excessive stuff. You know, maybe start with your pantry. You got to start with one drawer and one closet and one thought and one relationship and ask yourself slowly, you know, what's the first action step I can take now to step closer into who I want to be and be the best version of me instead of the one I am now that feels miserable. You, you, you hit on something which is so important when you were talking about organizing one drawer at a time, what you're saying, Paulette, is let's take these feelings of grief, um, of unworthiness, of sadness, let's take it one day at a time. And, and that is such an amazing approach to anything that we're going through. We don't have to picture, like you said, a month out or a year out Let's take it one day at a time, get through the day, get through the next day. We'll take, it one, yeah. we'll take it one week at a time. And you want to know something? A month at a time, two months at a time. You know, it's just this, this, this sort of building and the reclaiming of who we are. Because sometimes towards the end of something ending, we lose ourselves. So we need to rebuild again. Um, one of the things that you touched on was let's start nourishing our body, our soul, and our spirit. And how do we do that? We nourish our body with nutritious foods, nutrients. We nourish our spirit and our soul by surrounding ourselves with people who love us non-toxic people, like you just said, Paula, trimming the fat, people who just lift our spirits and make us feel good. Let's surround ourselves with the people who love us unconditionally. That list may not be long. It's not for me. It's not for me. It's not for many of us. I don't have a long list of people who I feel in a time of grief would love me unconditionally, but I have a few. Mm. And I did, I did go to those people and um, 
sometimes we just need that big hug and that just person that's that's there for us and kind of lets us be ourselves. I think those are some really good beginning steps in, I'm using the word rebirthing. I know that that's going to strike a nice chord with you as a doula. Mm -hmm. But we're reversing, yes. Paulette. We are being, we're re, 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 retrieving who we were prior to the end of, of whatever it is that's ending. Relationship, divorce, job, situation. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, being a doula is another thing I stumbled upon, <laughs> literally. I had had three births that were uh, non um, epidurals. I'd never had a spinal or an epidural, no C-sections. And that's a whole nother story in the book. But I, I did, I did find the courage and the strength within to birth my three children naturally. And that was something I was always deeply proud of. And it made me feel strong as a woman and as a human being to, um, cause pregnancy sucked for me. I literally, I had hypermesis gravidium and if for for whatever reason, the, the Latin names always sound worse than they are, but it just means you're chronically nauseous. So, <clears throat> excuse me, for nine months, I felt like I was chronically going to run to the toilet and have to throw up. I was hospitalized with my daughter the first birth and just always felt like crap. <clears throat> so um, by the time I had had the three children and uh, it had a, a horrifically long birth with Nicolette. She was uh, 18 hours. Joey was only three and Jeffrey was nine. But uh, Joey it was my fast birth. And it, it was because I had a doula present. And she stood by my side, held my hand, wiped my brow, gave me ice chips and fed me and massaged my feet and brushed my hair and played great music and told me I could do it. And because somebody was there, holding my hand and holding my body. I felt completely supported, empowered, and I could birth my baby on my terms effortlessly and empowered and inspired to do it. Then I got cocky and I didn't hire a doula for the third birth. And yep, it was a lot longer. But when we feel held and supported and unconditionally accepted and loved, and we feel cherished and honored, everything comes into play. And I made a pact that someday when I had nothing better in my life or with my time and I had free time that I was going to give back. So in 2011, when I was, you know, back in the days of still going through the divorce proceedings and, and really had a lot of time to feel back in retrospect and think about what in my life empowered me as a woman to to feel courageous and strong, it was that doula. So I did a lot of research and I discovered that I could in myself train to be a doula. So I found a wonderful woman, Dorothy Guerrero, who I did her um, yoga birth method and also did um, um, Kappa and Dona, which is doulas of North America certification. And man, did that give me an incredible ability to help other women and being present during a woman's birth and witnessing the birth of a child and also the birth of a family has changed everything for me. So to all of my doula clients and children out there, you know, and it, it wasn't a full-time profession for me because, but it was the, it was the bridge from 
being a yoga teacher trainer or starting my wellness journey of yoga and wellness and lifestyle and cooking and macrobiotics and really tuning into the self and empowering other women to live life on their terms and to birth on their terms, which has created the ability for me to now do what I'm doing with women suffering and, and surviving the divorce process. And the doula journey for me has been a bridge in which to complement what I'm doing now. And yeah, I, I, you know, I could go through birth stories for hours. It, it's what well, you know, as the mother of two children, what birth has done for you. So mm-hmm. yeah. Amen. Sister. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful. Uh, if I don't know if have you been, um, have you been privileged to be a witness of a, a birth besides your own? I, Paula, I have. <laughs> was scared you'd bring, you I was scared you'd bring this up. Um, and I am. I really got through um, two of my own. Uh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, <laughs> everyone is a very. I'm using the word squeamish. Um, I yeah. don't like blood, uh, particularly my own. Um, I don't do well getting shots or needles or, you know, uh, giving blood. So um, I do not have the gift that you do. Um, so I haven't. But you know what I love hearing is you really, you really, I look at everything you've done. I'm going to use your divorce, post-divorce. You literally transformed from a woman who had completely lost herself um, as a mother, as a wife, as a human being, and you transformed into this, and I'm using the word magnificent because there's no other word to describe you, this magnificent butterfly. And you've done the most courageous and beautiful act is when you healed, you used your healing to then help heal others. That, my friend, is a successful journey. Well, you know, Elizabeth, thank you, honey. And, and I, you know, I, I don't do what I do because I, I, I feel it's cool or hip or, you know, I don't know. It's just I, I really don't feel that doing anything else is an option. I can't watch other women and men suffer uh, I just can't I'm very I'm an empath I always have been and that's why you know I, I, I really love teaching dance and um, mentoring young women and helping them with modeling and makeup and hair and costumes and birthing and just going back into my former life and then that transformed into you know, yoga and teaching and birthing and cooking and, and everything is just a natural evolution of growing into uh, who we are meant to be. And we can't be who we're meant to be if we didn't go through the crap we went through. Absolutely. I feel like the fire, whether it be a life-changing event, like a divorce you and I went through, or sometimes these sort of smaller changes, like the one I described earlier, was not the biggest life-changing event of my life, but somehow in a way a profound one because self-awareness. But I think the message here is we're responsible ultimately for our own rebirth, our own rebuilding, our own 
moving forward to the next chapter. You know, there's that quote, Paulette, one door closes, another one opens. And when someone's going traumatic they probably hear that and they roll their eyes i i am living proof as are you that this is unequivocally unequivocally the truth if a relationship is ending it is not because you weren't good enough or someone left you or you know for whatever reason a divorce a relationship a friendship ends it truly Truly, and I, I like say this from the absolute bottom of my heart, it means that something or someone far greater is, is waiting for you. And it would not happen unless this situation does dissolve. I believe mm-hmm. that from the bottom of my heart, and I, I am living proof, as are you, of that. Yeah, there's always something. It's, there's something so beautiful that you can't even imagine what it is. So even if you were to like sit in a circle with a bunch of friends and everybody was going to go around and around circle and, and you were all going to share, you know, your, in yoga, we call it Sankalpa, your, your, your resolution, your goal, what it is you would wish to dream and achieve and, and uh, desire. And you go around in a circle and everybody shares it. You're not going to go back 10 years from now and look back at that, whatever you wrote down. It's going to be better and more beautiful. And you can't visualize what it is because you don't even know the depth of what's possible. Back in the day when I stopped and slowly had to, in my tracks, make the decision to change so much about my life particularly with starting back in 2002 with my job and my career. The first thing I did when I got home, besides cry and, you know, (laughs) sit on the couch and and like get four boxes of tissues and was to take my purse, unzip it and dump it out on the coffee table. I remember doing it and um, the, the sound of everything collapsing out of it. Um, You've ever had that day where you can't find anything and you, well, it probably happened happened to me like daily. Yeah, exactly. So (laughs) it doesn't happen anymore because I pretty much know what's in there because it's so minimal. Um, But God, the crap I used to tote around. I used to always um, joke that I felt like a teenage runaway because I, or homeless person. I always had... I felt like a bag lady. I always had a bag for this and a bag for that and a bag for this. And I remember coming home, getting out of the car, walking in the door, sitting on the couch, and I couldn't find something. So I unzipped my bag, turned it upside down and shook it. And all of the contents fell out on the coffee table and made, you know, that clanging, banging sound. And 90% of the stuff ended up in the trash because it was just crap. It no longer served any meaning. I didn't need it. I didn't want it. I didn't desire it. And it felt like besides all the gum wrappers and the receipts and the junk and the, like a missing earring. And like, I don't even, I can't remember what the junk was. And that's the reason it was junk, right? It it had no value. It didn't serve a purpose. And I needed to slowly start to peel away all of that stuff and clean 
every little aspect of the stuff and the layers and layers that had been built up. And it started for me with that just trashing the contents of my bag. I love, I love the cleansing. And I think really what we're trying to say here, um, number one is, you know, the self-awareness that it's okay to go through change and trauma and feel bad, but really where we want to get to on this sort of journey of change and rebirth, the most important thing we need to do is embrace our own self-love, remember our worth. And this, of course, will lead up to many podcasts down the line, but in order to really be whole again and attract the abundance and love we want in life, we have to come from a place of self-love and wholeness, the validity of that from ourselves and our, our, our self-worth, our self-being. We've got to remember we are worthy and stop beating ourselves up and love ourselves for who we are, broken, imperfect, all of, all of the, you know, the negative that comes with being human and recognize we are worthy of good things to come and accept who we are and where we are in the journey and everything else will stem from feeling worthy. We will, we will attract the abundance and the love that we want and desire. But if we're our self-esteem, if we keep it low and beaten down and continue to choose activities and people as you are toxic, we're never going to get our self-love and our, our, our value and our worthiness to the level it needs to be, the frequency we need it to be to attract wonderful, wonderful things uh, you and I both have. But it, it didn't happen overnight, girlfriend. <laughs> it didn't happen overnight. We did the work. Yeah, doing the work. You, you just hit it, girl, because there, there is a difference between being interested in self-care and self-love and transformation and being committed to self-love and self-care and transformation. So ask yourself, am I interested in it or am I committed to it? Because when we just <clears throat> dabble, <clears throat> forgive me, the it's a little early still. <laughs> um, when we dabble. And you're not drinking in, coffee. The ginger tea is not. <laughs> we need it, to get caffeine The ginger tea hasn't kicked in yet. <clears throat> when we dabble in things, you know, we, I call it, I, I, had, I used to have a bookcase and I used to call it shelf help instead of self-help because I would go to the, you know, Barnes and Noble or no, it's true. I could, there was a border sitting near our house and I lived there. I think I had a little chair and I would, I would spend like a hundred dollars a month or more on, this is before Amazon and buying shit online. So I used to drive there and I'd sit and I'd go right to the self-help department and I would buy two to three books and I'd go to the counter and they had a little frequent flyer card and they would punch it with how many books I'd have and I would bring them home and I'd put them on my shelf. And I love the analogy with the bookstore because there's something 
about the energy of being around all those books. I think you had something there. You were really seeking peace and quiet. And I think the energy of all books, I love bookstores. I mean, I'm with you. I think that's a great, great thing to do. Well, you know, it, I was seeking peace and quiet and it did work because a lot of the books helped me, but it was also starting to find the right community and to find a good supportive tribe of other people and other women and other people who were going through a similar situation with loss. And it is it, starting to explore that and, and find the joy in just taking care of the self and Hey, it worked, and most of those books I've given away to people, and I... But they serve their their purpose in your healing process. They absolutely did. And I think today was really important because we're going to... We're going to move forward with, now that we've been reborn, now that we have reclaimed ourselves... You know, what do we do post-divorce, post-relationship, post-life, all And I think in the next podcast, you and I are going to have, we're going to have good to talk about topics, some fun on the next um, meeting and talking about, um, you know, how do we get our mojo back after, uh, a certain age and, um, you know, just come back into life. How do we start living again? We're going to have some fun with that. I'm looking forward to that. And I believe we're going to be videoing a lot so people can, um, our expressions and how much fun we have doing this. It's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. It, 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 the lighting is great. We're all ready to go. And, um, I'm excited for that. So, yeah, everybody just, you know, really adopt what I call a superhero self-help identity or a superhero self-love identity. It starts with self. And when everything feels like it's in alignment with your core values, you can't go wrong. You just, there's no mistaking it. You can't make a bad decision when you know that you are not only interested, but committed to caring for what is in your best interest. And that's where it starts. So from there, we start building new relationships. I love it. That's right, Paula. And I think the two words which which I've said to friends and and clients, and you have too, and it's kind of the last thought, I think, for today's podcast would be the most important things to hear and say is you are worthy. And people don't remember their worth, that they are worthy. You, my friend, are worthy. I am worthy. And everyone listening to this podcast today is so worthy. And I think that's the greatest takeaway that you and I can give our listeners today is to remind them they are worthy. Yes, we make our amends. We move on. We find our worth and we grow from there. And life is inherently beautiful we're going to continue to thrive in the chaos my friend we are thriving (laughs) in this chaos and we're having grand all time so until uh, i see you in the next couple days and 
we'll regroup with this gang next Wednesday. We'll say and enjoy farewells. February school vacation, mamas, while you're thriving in the chaos with all the kids home, driving you crazy, but just love them and um, <laughs> know you're going to get through it. Absolutely. So till next time, everyone, Elizabeth and Paulette, we are saying, and we'll catch you next week. Bye.